Well, today we're continuing a series that we started last week entitled Relationship Refresh. Because I believe that God wants to refresh us in relationship. In fact, I think he wants us to be refreshing to other people in relationships. Part of the reason why we're passionate about this idea and this topic at this church is because we know the reality is this, that relationships can actually be really rough. In fact, I think that sometimes relationships are kind of like, they're kind of like stepping on a Lego in the middle of the night, unexpected pain. Sometimes it's like drinking a soda that's flat and tasteless on a hot day. You expect it to be cold, but it's actually hot. Sometimes relationships are rough because it feels like the person you're doing life with is a a prickly cactus or a porcupine. Relationships can be rough, but I believe that God wants to refresh us. I think many of us, if we're really honest, we believe that God has immeasurably more for us in relationship, but often we settle for immeasurably less. I think sometimes we set our expectations and then we actually lower them. We live below our expectations, why? because we know that if we set our expectations too high, we're gonna be disappointed. I'm here to share with you that I believe that God's gonna empower us through his word today about how we can go beyond expectations. I've titled my message today, Beyond Expectations. Beyond Expectations, say it with me, Beyond Expectations. I believe God's gonna empower us through his word to go beyond expectations. So I wanna invite you to join me in the word of God. We're gonna discover how God's gonna help us go beyond expectations. I invite you to open up your Bible to Luke chapter six. And while you're opening there, I wanna share with you a little bit about what's happening. Jesus is gathered together with his disciples. He's speaking to them about a variety of topics, things that he's wanting them to do different than the culture that they live in. And so he gathers together with them and he talks to them about about how they can follow Jesus and how they can make a difference. And then he gets into this conversation about how we should treat the people that are often difficult to love. So I invite you to join me. Luke chapter six, verses 27 and following. This is Jesus speaking. But to you who are willing to listen, say listen. I say, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who hurt you. If someone slaps you on one cheek, offer the other cheek also. If someone demands your coat, offer your shirt also. Give to anyone who asks. And whenever things are taken away from you, don't try to get them back. And then he shares the golden rule. Do to others as you would like them to do to you. And then in verse 35, Jesus gives us the outcome of what happens when we live this way with the people around us. He says this, then your reward from heaven will be very great and you will truly be acting as children of the what? the most high. God's inviting us to go beyond our expectations, to really live in a way that honors him and advances people. And today I want to share with you two ways that we can go beyond expectation. Number one, go the extra mile. Go the extra mile. Say it with me. Go the extra mile. I believe God's inviting us to go the extra mile. He's inviting us to treat people better than they expect to be treated. He's inviting us to bring our very best in relationships, not just settle for the status quo, but give people better than they deserve. Why? Because when we bring our best, it honors God and it inspires people to do the same. God's inviting us to live out his word, not just to listen to it, but be doers as well. He's inviting us to go the extra mile. Because in life, 
The truth is there's always a gap between expectation and reality. There's always a gap between expectation and reality. Expectation and reality. And what happens in the middle of the gap is one of two things. Either disappointment or delight. Disappointment or delight. Disappointment happens when expectations are high and reality is low. When our expectations are high but reality is low. When, when a situation or a person overpromises and underdelivers. Let me give you an example of what disappointment really feels like. Imagine for a moment that you're going to your favorite restaurant for your anniversary. You've been excited about this, in fact, all month. You've been looking forward to this moment. As you're driving to the restaurant, you and your spouse are whispering secret nothings to one another. You're excited. You have this moment together. And when you arrive, you give your name to the, to the hostess, and you discover suddenly that your reservation was double booked. And there's another couple sitting in your table. This means that then you have to sit there right at the front for 30 minutes, and you're already frustrated, but you're still hopeful that the date can be saved. And so you sit down, and the server takes your order, and you ask for your favorite lemonade, and you discover that it's all out. They don't have any more of that lemonade anymore. So you settle for water. And then you go ahead and order your favorite steak, and when the steak comes out, it's not a perfect medium rare. It's actually burnt to a crisp. But instead of sending it back and wasting more time, you decide to grin and bear it and chew through it. Then you're hopeful that maybe the dessert will be good. And so when you order your favorite dessert at your favorite restaurant and you find out that they actually discontinued it one week before you got there, and then to make it even worse, the server is rude the whole time. And so you call up the manager to come speak to the manager and he's profoundly unhelpful and he says, I'm sorry, and he doesn't help out. That's what disappointment is. It's when a situation overpromises and underdelivers. But on the other hand, delight happens when our expectations are low and reality is high. Our expectations are low and reality is high. When the situation underpromises but overdelivers. Now, what I'm about to share with you is an example of the delight that can happen. Now, I'm going to tell you. This has never happened. It has never happened in the history of all mankind. But just imagine for a moment. Imagine you go to the DMV to get your license renewed. You're frustrated. You're irritated with the traffic because you already know what you're about to experience. So as you walk up, you encounter an unexpected surprise. Right out front, there is a DJ playing lively music, taking requests, and giving ice cream to everyone who walks up. And instead of waiting out in the hot sun for 30 minutes or an hour, it's actually 15 minutes. And right when you step in, you hear an angelic voice of a kind, helpful, thoughtful DMV worker. They call you by name. You come up, you present your documents, and they ask you about your day. They ask you about your week. They ask you how you're doing. And so what you do is you tell them all that's happening in your life, and they're glad to hear about it. And then they take your, your picture. And then the DME worker says, come here, come here, come here. I want to show you what your photo is. And you realize that it looks like a mugshot, so they tell you, would you like to take it again? And so you're able to take it again, so you have a great ID photo. And then to make it even better, right as you leave, they say, we have one more thing for you. And they give you a thin chocolate mint just so that you can enjoy your moment. That's what delight is. 
It's when life under-promises and over-delivers. And this is what Jesus was challenging them. He was saying, be a person that goes beyond expectations. This is what he says in verses uh, 29 through 31. He says this, if someone demands your coat, offer your shirt also. Give to anyone who asks. And when things are taken away from you, don't try to get them back. Do to others as you would like them to do to you. God is telling us to give people better than they expect. In fact, Jesus was actually the first person to introduce the idea of going the second mile in Matthew chapter five, the Sermon on the Mount. I wanna take you there briefly. Matthew chapter five, verse 41. I wanna share with you, these are the words of Jesus. He's saying to his disciples again, if anyone forces you to go one mile, go with them two miles. Now to understand the context, we have to go back to what's happening in this moment when Jesus was here on earth. At the time, the Jewish people were under Roman rule and oppression. The Romans were in their country and the Romans were not very nice to the Jews. What he's telling them is, go the extra mile. And when he tells them to go two miles, what he's actually referring to is a law that the Romans instituted in the country of Israel. In fact, all throughout the Roman kingdom, the Roman empire was simply this is that at any moment, at any time, a Roman soldier could walk up to a Jewish man and ask that Jewish man to carry his gear for one mile and only one mile. And so what Jesus is telling them is, he's telling them, treat your oppressors better than they deserve. He's saying, just don't go one mile and fulfill the law. Be willing to go the second mile. He's challenging them to do different, to live different, to go beyond expectations. Why? Because Jesus understood this. The first mile is duty, but the second is devotion. The first mile is what's expected, but the second mile is unexpected. The first mile was for the Roman soldier, but the second mile was for him. We have to discover the life of a second mile Christian. Why? Because what happens in the second mile is it creates a conversation where the person asks, why are you treating me this way? And that gives you an opportunity to tell him, I'm doing this because Jesus has asked me to do this for you. He's inviting us to live a second mile life. Going the second mile actually allows us to live out the golden rule, to do unto others as you would like them to do to you. God's inviting us to give better than what is, what is expected to people. And today I wanna make it a little practical about how we can go the extra mile in our relationships what I would say to every businessman or woman or employee, be willing to give your customers better than they deserve. Find the 10% in your business that you can offer to them to wow them. Because here's what happens. When we go the extra mile from our, for our customers, they go from just being customers to being loyal customers. Because they buy into not only what you're offering to them, but they also buy into you. That's how you build brand loyalty and loyalty to your business is you give them better than they deserve. To the husbands, I say this, be willing to over-serve your wife. Be willing to over-serve her. What that means is be willing to ask her how you can make her day better or her week better. Ask her, what do you need right now? Don't assume that what she wanted yesterday is what she wants right now. That's, that doesn't work. You have to ask her today. Even sometimes moment to moment, what do you need right now? How can I make a difference in your life? She'll tell you. Also, I'd say to the husbands, be willing to 
clean up the house unexpectedly or force the kids to. That's why you had kids. They're free labor. And all the parents said amen, right? Also, husbands, be willing to create moments throughout the year where it's just the two of you. Be willing to ship the kids off to the grandparents and tell her, we're going on a date. We're going on a weekend, just the two of us. Now, moms, I know some of you are stressing and you're saying, I don't think I can do that. I'm here to tell you, your kids like their grandparents better than they like you. You're going to be okay and they're going to be okay. Send them off. It's not to boarding school. It's to their grandparents where they're going to be spoiled. To the wives, I invite you just to share with your husband about how important and meaningful he is to you and to the family. Share those words of appreciation to him. Maybe give him a back rub. Maybe uh, arrange a day for him to hang out with his friends and do something that he very much enjoys. Find a way to serve him as well. The Bible tells us that we need to be mutually submitted to one another. We need to find ways to serve one another. And to the parents, I invite you to create a yes day, maybe once or twice this summer. You set the boundaries of what's permissible, but you let them decide what they do that day. So if they want to eat Twinkies for breakfast, say yes. If they want, if they want to go to the pool, say yes. If they want to go get ice cream and the little boys want to wear a superhero suit and the, the girls want to wear a princess dress, then say yes. And if you want to wear a superhero suit to go get ice cream, that would be really fun too. Be willing to say yes. Why? Because it's unexpected. It's going the extra mile. God's inviting us to do that. I want to challenge you. Always go the extra mile. It's never crowded. It's never crowded. Someone once said about going the extra mile the following. They said this, give more than is expected. Love more than seems wise. Serve more than seems necessary. And help more than is asked. I believe that this statement aligns with the heart of God. He's inviting us to go the extra mile. But I believe God's also not, not only expecting us to do different in our relationships, but he's inviting us to change our heart. Because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. We can change what we do for just a moment, but if we don't change our heart, we'll go back to old patterns. We'll go back to default patterns. And God is saying, if you'll just let me change your heart, I'll change your future and I'll change it forever. I'll change the patterns of your relationship if you let me work on the inside and work from the inside out. And this is what God's inviting us to do. He's inviting us to submit to him and allow him to work in our life. You see, change starts in the heart and then it's lived out every day. Which leads us to the second way we can go beyond expectations in our relationships. And it's to give unexpected kindness. Unexpected kindness. It's easy to give kindness to the people you like, but it's hard to give kindness to unkind people. This is exactly what Jesus is inviting his disciples then and us as disciples and followers of him now. I think many of us, we struggle with giving kindness to people because it seems to violate some sense of fairness. Why is it that they deserve better than the way they're treating me? We've been taught that it's an eye for an eye and a tooth for tooth. It's this prid, uh, quid pro quo. It's a give, what you, give back what you get from other people. But Jesus is saying, don't live that way. Actually, live the way I live with you. He's saying, be willing to give unexpected kindness to people. 
whether they deserve it or not, especially to those that don't deserve it. Why? Because I gave you unexpected kindness when you didn't deserve it. The Bible tells us that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He gave us unexpected kindness even when we didn't deserve it. And he's inviting us to do the same with people. It's easy to love the people that are lovable, but it's hard to love the people that are unlovable. But sometimes those people need the love the most. God's challenging our sense of what the default is in relationships. I know parents, sometimes your kids just drive you crazy. They're stomping on your last nerve. And there's this sense that you just want to snap back and put them in their place. I believe God's inviting us to be a little more patient, a little more discerning about what's happening in their life and give them unexpected kindness. I think sometimes what happens in marriage is we get frustrated with our spouse because we're very busy or we've got a lot on our plate or there's a lot on the schedule and we've expended a lot of emotional energy just moving through life. And sometimes what we have is we have short tempers instead of short accounts. And God's inviting us to think differently about how we approach relationships. Don't give frustration back to people who give frustration to you. Show them kindness. Show them the love of God. This is why Jesus tells us in verses 27 and 28, but to you who are willing to listen, what Jesus is saying is that some of us may not listen, but my prayers for each one of us, myself included, is that we would listen to God in the midst of this. He says this, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who hurt you. He's saying live different. Do different. And I know some of you are saying, but pastor, you don't know what they did to me. You don't know how they hurt me. I know. I don't understand, but God does. You see, when he died on the cross, he carried all your wounds and pain and hurt. He paid for those sins that people have committed against you so that you could be free. And God's inviting us to live differently. He's inviting us to speak differently, to give kindness to people, even though they don't deserve it. Why? Because unexpected kindness actually sets us free from bitterness, resentment, and hate. And I found over time, not only when I was a professional counselor, but also as a pastor, that unforgiveness is something that keeps you shackled to the past and prevents you from moving into God's future. In fact, it's one of the things that I see is very prominent in the body of Christ is this sense of unforgiveness because we feel like we deserve to hold on to unforgiveness in our heart because of what they did for us. I want to remind you that holding on to a grudge is like drinking poison, expecting the other person to die. God's inviting us to think differently. So how can we live a grudge-proof life? We need to pray for those who hurt us. Prayer is powerful because you can't pray for someone and hate them at the same time. Now, I mean a real prayer, not, not a prayer like, God, get them. God, get them. God, get them. May their bed be infested by a million spiders. May they step on a snake and may it bite them through their shoe. May they choke on a fly while they're walking to work. God, get them, get them, get them. Not that kind of prayer, but that you bless them and that you do good to them and that you pray that God would reach them. That's a real prayer. Could it be that God wants us to kindness people into the kingdom? But I believe that for some of us, he's inviting us to forgive. You see, forgiven people forgive people. We've been forgiven much. He's inviting us to forgive others. In 1993, a lady by the name of Mary Johnson got news that no parent wants to hear. 
her oldest son, Laramin, was shot and killed by a 16-year-old gang member. She was broken and devastated. And when she went to the trial and the sentencing, she told the man that she forgave him. But in her heart, she held on to resentment. He got 25 years, but she felt like it wasn't enough. And while she was struggling through her grief, she was also having a crisis of faith because she was a believer. She was holding on to bitterness and resentment while trying to hold on to Jesus. And that continued for 10 years. And then one day her pastor came up to her and said, I'd like for you to teach a class on forgiveness. And because it was her pastor, she reluctantly said yes. But as she was reading the Bible and the book that they were covering in that class, she heard the voice of God. God said to her, you need to forgive. You need to repent. You need to give up the feelings that you have towards this man, O'Shea Israel, the young man who killed your son. He said, but God, I deserve to hold on to this. What God told her was, you need to pray for him. Pray for him like you pray for yourself. And every time you pray for him and his name comes up in your mind and you hear the name O'Shea in your heart and you want to hold on to bitterness, be willing to pray. God, help me. And be willing to say in your heart, I choose to forgive. And so two, for two years she did this. She kept praying and kept praying and kept praying. And then God prompted her to reach out to the Department of Corrections to ask for a face-to-face -face meeting with this young man. And they agreed. So she sat down with this young man. And she told him, she said, O'Shea, I know I told you at sentencing that I forgave you, but I really didn't. But now God has worked in my heart and I choose to forgive you. I mean, notes to her, during that time, God was changing the heart of O'Shea. The young man asked, why are you doing this? And she said, because Jesus loves me and he loves you too. Then O'Shea took responsibility for what he did. And he said, I'm so sorry. I took your son. I wish I could change my life and do, do better. And then O'Shea asked something that was unexpected. He said to the guard, can I hug her? The guard said, that's fine. And so then he asked Mary, may I hug you? And so they came together, and as she hugged him, she slumped into his arms, and he held her up. And at that moment, all the pain and bitterness and unforgiveness left her body. A couple of years later, when O'Shea was released from prison, Mary hosted a homecoming party with all of her family and friends, and he was overwhelmed by the forgiveness and grace that was extended to him by Mary and her friends. They began to grow close, and... They actually began to go around to different places and talk about the power of forgiveness and reconciliation. And then they grew closer and closer together. And what ended up happening is they got so close that not only are they now next door neighbors, but now Mary calls him her spiritual son. And this is what she says to people at the very end of her talk every time. She tells people, unforgiveness is a dangerous thing. But when the Holy Spirit releases you, oh my, what freedom. And this is what Jesus is speaking about in verse 35. He says, if you live this way, then your reward from heaven will be very great and you will truly be acting as children of the most high. God's inviting us to go beyond expectations. He's inviting us to go the second mile. Why? Because the second mile is the witnessing mile. The second mile is the sacrificial mile. The second mile is the commitment mile. The second mile is the breakthrough mile. 
The second mile is the living free mile. The second mile is the mile where we discover who Jesus really is. But I want to remind us that Jesus didn't just tell us to go the second mile. He actually walked the first and second mile. When Jesus came to earth and he left heaven and became a man and taught us, that was the first mile. But then Jesus... He walked the lonely second mile to the cross. And no one compelled him. No one told him to go the second mile. He did it for love. He went the second mile for us. We don't deserve the second mile, but he went there because he loves us. And because he went the first and the second mile, we can go the first and second mile with other people as well. And if you're finding it difficult to go the first mile, And the second mile, just let Jesus walk with you. He's already walked those two miles, and he can help you. Today, I want to invite you that whatever God speaks to you about going, going beyond expectations, be willing to do it. If he's inviting you to change your default pattern, be willing to do it. He's inviting you to to talk differently to the people around you or have a different attitude or do something that's kind for someone else, be willing to do it. Be willing to be obey, obedient. God walked the second mile for us. He's inviting us to do the same. And so today as I close, I want to invite you to stand. My prayer is that each one of us would allow God to refresh us in relationships, that he would empower us through his spirit to go the second mile, to go beyond expectations, not to just do the status quo, but to do something different. But I believe that many of us, we know the first mile Jesus, but not the second mile Jesus. And my prayer for you today is this, is that you'll know the second mile Jesus. Here at Westover, we believe that getting to know the second mile Jesus is as clear as ABC. It's A, admitting that we need Jesus because we all do. B, believing in our heart that he died on the cross to pay for our sins and to give us life and hope in the future. And C, confessing from our heart, with our mouth, out loud, that we want him, we want him to lead us, not only the first mile, but the second mile and for every other mile that we walk. I want to give you that opportunity today to meet him. So I want to invite everyone to bow their heads and close their eyes, front to back, side to side, up in the balcony. No one looking. I want to give you a private audience with God. If you're at a place where you know that you don't know the second mile Jesus, the sacrificial servant who gave his life for you, I want to give you that opportunity today. In fact, on the count of three, I'm gonna invite you to raise your hand and you're acknowledging to God that you want him to be the second mile Jesus for you. Here it is. One, two, three. Yes, 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 yes. Front to back, side to side. Just wanna invite you to keep your hand up. God loves you. God sees you. He knows you. I wanna invite you to say this prayer with me. Those of you who have your hands raised, in fact, I'm gonna invite all of us to say this prayer. Let's say it together. Say, Jesus, I need you today. I've tried to do life on my own and I haven't had success. Please forgive me, Jesus. Thank you for going to the cross. Thank you for walking the second mile so I could walk the first and second mile. I ask you, God, right now, to refresh me 
in my relationships. Bring healing and transformation to all of my relationships. I give you my life today. Lead me forward. In Jesus' name. And everyone said? Amen. Amen. If you just said that prayer for the first time, congratulations. Welcome to the family of God. I invite you to text New Life to the number on the screen. We want to help you in your journey as you begin this journey with Jesus. I want to invite you also to to be a part of our Faith Essentials class. That's going to give you wisdom and clarity about the questions of faith that we often have. And finally, if you can make it back for water baptisms, that'll happen at the end of the next service. We'd love to celebrate this moment with you. God bless you, and we are dismissed.